Blessed Lord, we ask that you would draw us nearer to your sight. That you would send us out to love and serve you. For your glory alone. Amen. My first job came completely out of the blue. I was 15. I got home from school one day and the mum said that the owner of the corner shop up the street had rung asking did I want a job. So I thought for 10 seconds and said, no, I want to play my computer games and I want to go to youth club. Uh, So I don't want the job at all. But after a brief talking to then I started working in Jackie McCracken's shop and did so for about six or seven years probably. With the new year started, you might be thinking uh, maybe about a new job yourself. Perhaps you're fed up at doing what you do and so you get the paper and you look through the job adverts. No matter what sort of job it is, you normally get the same sort of information in those adverts. First of all, there's a vacancy, because otherwise they wouldn't have an advert in the paper. So there's a vacancy, there's a job to be done. Secondly, there's a job description. There's some details of what has to be done in the job, what you have to do. And thirdly, although it might not say it in the actual advert, but you'll find it out soon enough, there's the reward, the wages you get from the job. And it struck me as I was studying at Luke 10 this week, Uh, That that's what we have here. We have a job vacancy, a job description, and the job's rewards. And it might be useful if you have it open in front of you. Uh, And also uh, the outline uh, on the service sheet. Jesus is on his way up to Jerusalem. We saw last week that he calls us to follow him. Even though it isn't always easy, it's urgent and it needs determination to press on. This week's passage follows on directly. After this, it says in verse 1, so Jesus is still on his way. And as we follow Jesus, we find that he sends us out in his service. Jesus is on the road. He's on the way. He has set his face to go up to Jerusalem. Because he has an appointment with the cross. But as he goes, he sends 70 uh, two by two, just like the animals going into the ark. He sends out the disciples two by two to prepare the way for him. They go to every town That he is coming to. But look at how he sends them out. In verse 2. 
He says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There's a vacancy to be filled. In fact, there are lots of vacant posts to be filled. Jesus says that the laborers are few. When the harvest time comes around, it's, it's all hands on deck. Friends in Scotland tell me that, that they still have a week's holidays for the potato harvest. Even though some of the schools are in the towns and in the cities. Because, well, nobody was going to go to school that week when the potatoes were ready. As Jesus looks out on the world, he sees a harvest not of potatoes or wheat, but of people. People ready to accept him and believe the good news, but they need to be brought in. They need to be harvested. The gospel workers are few. The cry goes out to ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers. When we see the need for workers, we need to pray to the Lord. I wonder, are we stirred to pray for gospel workers? Not just here in Northern Ireland, but across the world. Will we join in the Lord's other prayer here? To ask the Lord of the harvest. So we pray. Asking God to send out labourers. The the need is there. The vacancy is advertised. And yet as you look at it from verse 2 to verse 3. The disciples are the answer to their own prayer. He says in verse 2, Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Verse 3, go on your way. So as you ask, you're sent out. You're literally the answer to your own prayers. Have you ever discovered though that sometimes you only really know what the job entails whenever you're in it? I remember um, one job I did for three years in Newton Stewart and uh, there was a little clause at the bottom of the contract and it said anything else that may be required for the good of the firm. And my boss was wonderfully imaginative in the other things that might be useful for the sake of the firm. Uh, so there were lots of things that I found myself doing that I didn't quite imagine were part of my job, but they were for the good of the firm. Well, here, uh, the 70 disciples, they're sent, they're on their way, and then Jesus tells them what the work is. Here's the job description uh, from verse 3. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Hmm. Doesn't sound great, does it? Wolves quite like to eat lambs. Bringing the news of peace. 
Bringing the news of God's kingdom is amazing. But it's also a wee bit scary sometimes. The disciples are to take nothing with them. Just to live on what they're given. And to bring the message of God's kingdom coming near. And notice that it's the same message whether they're received well. In verse 9 where they're welcomed into a home and they're given food and somewhere to stay. Or whether, verse 11, they're rejected. You see, both verse 9 and verse 11 says the kingdom of God has come near. Either welcomed or rejected. You see, their labor, their success doesn't depend on the response. It depends on them proclaiming the kingdom. In verse 12 we have mention of Sodom. Now back before Christmas you might remember we heard of its destruction for great wickedness. Yet Jesus says it will be better for Sodom than for the town that rejects these labourers. And those pagan cities Tyre and Sidon, they too will fare better at the judgment than Chorazin and Bethsaida, cities of Israel. You see, if those pagan cities had seen the same deeds of power, had heard the same message of God, they would have repented. But the towns of Israel, they don't want to know, they refuse to listen. I wonder, could that be the same for us? But we have the Bible, we have God's word in our homes, probably in uh, lots of different translations and lots of different uh, Bibles. And we come along to church, but are we actually listening? Are we refusing to listen to God? You see, such a great uh, privilege to have the word of God in our own language and to to have a church to be able to come and, and share in that word. Those privileges bring responsibility as well. Could it be better for Sodom than for some of us who gather here today and hear this message? But you might think, but... They're just refusing to listen to the the disciples. They're just refusing to listen to uh, those labourers. And what does that matter? But who is it that they're listening to or not listening to? Peter West McCott lives in the United States. You could walk past him in the street and not recognize him. His name probably doesn't even mean anything to you. And yet he meets with the President of the United States regularly. Because he is Her Majesty's Ambassador to the United States. 
You see, he himself may not be very impressive. He himself may not be very important. But when he speaks, he speaks on behalf of the queen. It's as if the queen is there in that room speaking to Barack Obama. And that's the idea that Jesus says here in verse 16. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. And whoever rejects you, rejects me. And carry it on, whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. There's a chain of command there. That God the Father sends the Son who sends the disciples. And to listen to the disciples is to listen to Jesus. And to listen to Jesus is to listen to the Father. So we don't go in our own authority. We go in the authority of God. This is the job description of every Christian. To be sent out. To speak for Jesus by bringing the kingdom to the places that we find ourselves. The question is, are we willing to go? Are we ready to go to the places that God has lined up for us, has prepared for us? When we do go, there's great joy in seeing how God acts. There are reasons for rejoicing. And in verse 17, uh, we see Uh, That the 70 return with wonderful stories of their experiences. What a great reward. The 70 return with joy saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. They saw the power that they had because they were sent out by Jesus. Jesus even had a vision of Satan falling from heaven. It was all amazing stuff. But look at verse 20, what Jesus says about it. He says, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What is the ground of our rejoicing? It's not in the amazing experiences that we have. It's simply that our names are written in heaven. To be a member of the kingdom is the ground for rejoicing. To be known by God that beats any spiritual experience we might have. You see, our, our feelings can be all over the place. One day we think things are great and the next day uh, things aren't so great. Like investments and mortgages, your uh, feelings can go up and down. But the fact of being saved by God is unchanging. And it's this that leads us to rejoice. Jesus also rejoices because God's will is being done. 
You see, as the laborers are sent out, people make their choice whether they listen or not, whether they believe or whether they don't. But at the same time, God is accomplishing his will. You see, God has chosen this way to proclaim his kingdom. It's hidden from the wise and the intelligent, or rather those who think that they're too wise and too clever for God. By refusing to listen, they exclude themselves. But God reveals the kingdom to infants. To those who will listen. To those God has chosen to listen. And reveal himself. If this is what causes Jesus to rejoice. Then it should cause us to rejoice as well. Not in what we do. But simply because we are members of the kingdom. You know even the preacher. In moments of madness can be tempted to think sometimes. Do you know. I'm really pleased today. I preached a good sermon today. But our rejoicing isn't in what we've done. And I need to know that as much as anybody. But in what Christ has done for us. Revealing himself in his word. And bringing us into his family. This is where blessing lies. This is where rejoicing lies. To be with Jesus. To see him and to hear him. The disciples were blessed. Because they saw what kings and prophets wanted to see and didn't see. But we share in that blessing as we come to know Jesus ourselves. When we rejoice that we are children of God. Then we see the need for other people to come to know him as well. We see that job vacancy. The need for gospel workers. For people to share the good news across the world and across the street. We'll be motivated to pray. To ask the Lord of the harvest. To send out workers. And as we pray. We'll find that the Lord is. Sending us as well. You might be. A bit like me. At the start. Happy enough to. Keep on playing. To do other things. Not really wanting a job. But the appointment comes anyway. The Lord is sending us. So let's pray. And let's go to the people we meet this week. As we bring news of peace. News of the kingdom come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we hear your Son's call to us, so we hear your voice in it. As you have sent him 
So he sends us. We pray that you would lead us and guide us to live for you and speak for you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.